excited to be here this morning, and um, I'm excited to actually get back home and batten down the hatches and get ready for Flossie. Um, I keep on getting updated on my phone, you know, and I would be lying if there wasn't a part of me. I don't want destruction. I don't want any destruction. But I, there, I'd be lying if I didn't say there was a part of me that wants to say I was part of a hurricane, right? I was here when that hurricane hit. But every time I look at the phone, it keeps on downgrading, and now it's tropical storm Flossie. By the time it gets to us, it'll be rainy day Flossie. And that's not very exciting to tell my kids we survived rainy day Flossie. But I am excited to be here. It's a little weird. I just, we just had a service at 8 a.m. And it's the temptation when you preach back to back is to compare the two services and the two audiences. And I don't want to do that. But let me just tell you the first service, everybody came to the altar. They had a second offering. People were just throwing their money in the offering plate. People were signing up to be officers. It was really good. But I don't want to compare. So before I start, though, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you that this is the day that you have made, Lord. I'm thankful, Lord, that the, that the winds are dying down, Lord. And I pray for anybody in the path of the storm today, Lord, that they would be safe. God, and right now I just pray that you continue to prepare my heart, Lord, and humble me, Lord. Um, take away any nervousness or anxiety, Lord, because I know that's from the enemy. Lord, I just pray that um, as I speak today, Lord, it wouldn't be my words but yours and that uh, the people here today would know the difference, Lord, that if I say something that's wrong or doesn't make any sense, Lord, that they would know that that's me talking, Lord. But if I happen to say something that speaks to their heart, Lord, and um, touches them, Lord, that they would know that that's not me, that that's your Holy Spirit talking to them, Lord. I thank you again for the opportunity you have to um, bring your word today. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, I'm excited to be here and I'm sure all of you are excited to be here. How many of you guys started your day off like me and, or even your night, like you couldn't sleep last night because you were excited about coming to church this morning, right? That this morning you woke up an hour before your alarm went off. And you had time for devotions, and you were amped, you couldn't wait to get to church. And even while you're here in church, you're excited about Monday and getting back to work. Right? Being excited and have another day to live for Jesus. How many of you was that this morning? Was that any of you? Oh, I got one of you. That wasn't me. I, I do not feel like that most mornings, if I'm honest, yeah? It's hard for me to get out of bed. I was up late last night worrying about what I was going to talk about today, wondering if my kids were going to let me sleep through the night, which they did not, you know. And I didn't wake up before my alarm, but I was constantly looking at the clock so I wouldn't miss my alarm. I didn't want to get out of bed. That's how a lot of my days are, right? They're not so exciting, and it's troublesome because as a Christian, the Bible tells us that, you know, with Jesus, we'll live life to the fullest, you know, and we'll have life more abundantly, but as I sit here and stand up here and talk to you, if I'm honest with you guys, a lot of the times I'm not living life abundantly, but redundantly. Yeah? Same old, same old, same old, same old. I'm not living life to the fullest, life to the dullest. Lowest common denominator. Right? And that's not the way it's supposed to be for us as Christians. And so I, 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 I have trouble when I'm going through my Bible and, and I see all this excitement that's supposed to be in my life. And when I look at my life, I'm like, where is that at? What was once exciting for me, what was once a blossoming, blossoming relationship with Jesus Christ, has somewhere, somehow, got sick and stopped growing, which isn't healthy, which we're going to find out. We're going to look at this verse. It talks a little bit about it. 
It says this, it says, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong and the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I like this verse because it kind of sums everything up. It has what we've already done, just as you accepted Christ Jesus. So it's past tense. It's something we've already done, but it's not done yet, right? That's not the end of it. You don't just accept Jesus and it's done. It says what we must continue to do. It says we must continue to follow him and let our roots grow down into him. So it has what we've done, what we need to do, and then it has the results. It says this, then your faith will grow strong and in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I love about overflowing. That's not me. I'm not always overflowing. But the key here, it says, let your roots grow. I call this a vegetation verse. And there's lots of them in the Bible that have vegetation references. The Bible, if we th- look at the word, you know, in the beginning, it started in the Garden of Eden. Moses, God talked to Moses through a burning bush. Jesus says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit. There's all this talk about vegetation in the Bible. And it's by no accident. It's because physical life and vegetation, it's all about growth. Right? It's all about growth. Things that are healthy grow. And when it stops growing, the truth is it's dying. Right? It's not good. When both of our kids, when they were really small, I can remember my wife just rocking them and always saying over them, they're getting so big so fast. You know, I wish it would stay like this forever. I wish it would just stay this size forever. Which is really sweet and really nice, but if it happened, it would be really weird. Right? If my kids stayed the same size forever and got older and older but just stayed like a baby, something would be seriously wrong. That's not healthy. Right? But not only physical life is all about growth, our spiritual life is all about growth. And if we're not growing spiritually, the truth is we're dying spiritually. There's no in-between. Right? There's no neutral. There's no coasting. If you're coasting, the only way to coast is to what? Go what? downhill right and so why is it why is it that so many of us this morning find ourselves not growing anymore spiritually we feel dead if we're honest why is that well we're going to look because i'm really good at killing plants i know what kills plants and so we're going to look at some of the things that are detrimental to plants right and we're going to apply it to our lives spiritually the first thing is if you want a plant to live you have to replenish the soil we know this right you have to water a plant you have to make sure it's in the sun some people sing to their plants that's crazy right but like i said i am a cereal plant murderer right i am not good some people have a green thumb they call it if you're good with plants you have a green thumb i have a black thumb of death my thumb would have a little darth vader helmet on it right things that come in contact with this thumb die Here's a picture of a plant, right? It looks great. It's great. It has good soil, right? It's it's growing, and it looks fantastic. But if you don't tend to the soil, this is what happens, right? Same plant. Good soil goes bad, 
We've seen it happen many a times. Um, when our first child was born, someone, bless their heart, brought us a plant to the hospital, right? Which I know they meant well, and it was really, really nice of them. But really, you're giving me something else to take care of? <laughs> right? I just have a baby, and my life has changed. i got to take care of a kid. And he's like, here's something else to watch over. <laughs> right? And lo and behold, that plant died. Now listen, I know what it takes to take care of a plant. Right? But I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Good soil doesn't stay good on its own. You have to maintain it. If you were to farm the land and toil the soil and get it all ready to plant and you grew a good crop and you said, man, this is good, you'd have to do the same thing again the next year. You can't just leave it. You have to continue to nurture that soil and replenish it. Right? This is what the Bible says. It says in Timothy, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. What he's saying is, listen, they knew what they were supposed to do, and they didn't do it. And because of it, their faith was shipwrecked. So just like I know I need to take care of the plant in my house, I know what it takes. If I don't do it, I'm making a conscious decision not to take care of it, and the result isn't rocket science. If you don't water the plant, if you don't have it near sunlight, it's not going to live. The soil of our hearts, if we're not in our word, if we're not constantly praying to God, if we're not surrounding ourselves with brothers and sisters in Christ who are sharpening us, who are feeding into that, you're going to die spiritually. I work with young people a lot, and so we go to these big youth events. And this phenomenon, you see it all the time. We'll go and have a week or a weekend that's super spiritually pleasing. Kids get on fire. They're excited to go home. They can't wait to go home and tell people about Jesus. A week later, they're right back where they're starting. And they're like, how did this happen, man? I was just there last week, and I felt so on fire. But then we say, man, it's not rocket science. You were here for a week. Every day we were praying. Every day we were having Bible study. Every day you were around people lifting you up that were like-minded. And then you went home and you stopped all of that. It's not rocket science. You weren't replenishing that soil in your heart. And if we don't do it, the soil becomes dry. And it dies. And nothing good will grow there anymore. God could take bad soil and make it good. But if we neglect good soil, it goes bad. There's no way around it. So this morning, what's the soil of your heart look like? If you're not growing this morning, if you don't feel like you're growing and you're full, maybe it's that. Have a heart check. What's the soil look like? So the first thing is we need to replenish the soil of our hearts. The next thing. Oh, I forgot. This is good. Some people say this. Fulton, that looks great. That looks nice on your PowerPoint. It's really sweet that you want me to live a good life and um, to read my word every day and I'll start to grow. But it looks good on paper, but you don't know my life. You don't know my life. You don't know the garbage I go through at home. You don't know the manure or the crap in my life, Fulton. You don't know what the garbage I have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. If you've seen where I came from, you would know why I'm not growing. I have an environment that's impossible for me to grow. But here's the thing. This is crazy. When I was a kid, I remember driving up through uh, California, through uh, northern California, where they grow tons of crops and stuff, and I remember waking up in the car, and it just stunk really bad. It stunk so bad. And I thought it was my father in the front seat, (laughs) who probably had a bag of pork rinds with him as he was driving. 
But it wasn't. I looked outside, and there's sprinklers literally shooting poop all over the fields, right? Sprinklers just shooting it out. It stunk. It was horrible. But poop, manure, garbage, compost helps plants grow, right? We know that. It helps plants grow. And as Christians, the bad things in life, the things that happen, the garbage in our life, the manure that happens in our life, the Bible says this about it. It says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. The garbage in our life is an opportunity for spiritual growth. Now listen, manure on the sidewalk is no good to anybody, right? It doesn't, it's not helpful. You don't want to step in it, you're avoiding it, right? But if you're planted in the good soil and your Jesus is nurturing you, when those hard times come, you're going to be ready. And God's going to use it. James is saying, consider it joy when that comes, because you are going to grow spiritually. So if you have a hard place, if you're from something hard, plant yourself in Jesus Christ. Make sure that soil is is nurtured. And when the garbage comes, when the compost gets dumped on you, you're going to grow. And you're going to see results. So that's some good news. The next thing I want to look at is this. So sometimes the soil is bad. But sometimes you might water a plant forever and keep the soil really, really nice. But what could happen with a plant, especially larger plants, is they become pot-bound, right? And uh, what that means is the roots start to grow and get twisted up in the pot that they're in because they don't have a way to go out. And what happens is they get twisted and they start choking themselves. And so soon the plant will die because it doesn't have a way to grow out anymore. This is what happens with plants, right? But we know as in physical growth, things need to be transferred as well. Here's a picture of my uh, daughter. She was, uh, I don't know, it should say she's nine weeks old here. Nine weeks old and five days. Now look it. This was the perfect environment for my daughter to thrive, right? Outside of this environment, right? She would have not lived. She wouldn't have made it at this age. She needed to be where she was at, right? She needed to be with my wife. She needed to be getting nutrients, you know, that my wife was getting. This was conducive for her growth. It was important for her. But there came a time when that wasn't going to cut it anymore, right? Even though that was great for a time being, it was great in the beginning. It, wouldn't, it wasn't going to last. Now, make no mistake, my daughter did not want to leave. You will see, Yeah. She was mad about it, right? She had it so good. She, she had it so good. She didn't know any better. But what was perfect for a time became a death trap over time. And this is what happens, right? This is what happens with, with things that are supposed to be growing. You can't grow a redwood tree in a pot in your house. There comes a time when you're going to have to take it out and plant it outside where the elements are going to hit the wind and the rain and it will actually make it stronger. There's, a, there's a, a palm tree that someone planted at camp and they planted it in a bathtub and it was great for a time being but the roots got twisted, the bathtub's broken. It can't contain it. But that's what happens to so many of us. We're going to look at a, a verse here really quick. 
in Hebrews. It says this. It says, by this time, you ought to be teachers yourselves. Yet here I find you in need of someone to sit down with you and go over all the basics on God again. Starting from square one, baby's milk, when you should have been on solid foods a long time ago. Milk is for beginners, inexperienced in God's ways. Solid food is for the mature who have some practice in telling right from wrong. What he's saying is this, man, I came here to this church a while ago and you guys were growing and I've come back and you guys are still in the same place. You haven't grown. You haven't matured spiritually. What happened? That's not healthy. That's not what it's about. You guys should be not just sitting there. You guys should be teaching already. But yet here you are sitting, taking baby's milk. It's time to grow up. That spiritual death is just sitting there. And we don't even see it, but it looks a lot like this to God, I bet. We're going to show a video. Or I could act it out if you'd like. Good morning, Reagan. Good morning. Good morning, Madison. Good morning, Johanna. Good morning, Johnny. People are always asking me why. Why do the same thing every year? Why not move on? And I say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Johnny? Present. I'm comfortable. I know the routine. And I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty popular around here. I do really well in sports. I'm just very successful yes. here. Why would I go and mess that up by graduating? A B. But I mean, in the first grade, I may not know all the answers. D. D. Dog. E. The hours are longer. I hear they don't even have nap time. I mean, I just don't see the upside. Then first grade leads to second grade, second to third. It's really good. Then you're in high school reading boring books with no pictures. Three, four, five. But he was still, still hungry. Next thing you know, people expect you to get a job and give up summer vacation. <laughs> no, sir. I think I found my niche. Thank you very much. Home sweet kindergarten. Besides, I mean, what if I failed first grade? How humiliating would that be? Just don't think I could handle that kind of embarrassment. That was not a good choice. Very disappointed. Now we see that video and it looks, because it's visual, it looks ridiculous. Here's an old guy at kindergarten, way out of place. He should have moved on ages ago. But if we were able to see what our spiritual life looked like in the same way, how many of us would still be in kindergarten? How many of us have been going to church since we were young and haven't grown very much since then? Make no mistake, growth isn't easy. It's hard. Sometimes it's painful. But it's necessary. It's necessary. If you're not growing you're dying. That's what I love about the Salvation Army. Um, our founder, William Booth, uh, this, this handsome gentleman. I, I call him um, AKA the beard. Yeah, that's him. 
I, I might be the only one that calls him, but this, this Gandalf, ZZ Top looking guy <laughs> grew up in church and he had a passion. He had a passion. He wasn't satisfied sitting in a pew, just listening anymore. And one day he's sitting on a train and he has this vision. It's called the vision of the lost. And he had this vision of where all these people were in this big sea and they were drowning and there were storms. And all these people were crying out for help. And the people who were on a rock and were safe, very few of them could hear him calling. And there was only a select few that were going up and trying to get these people out, trying to save them, trying to make sure they could get pulled to safety. But the scary part to me about the vision is what he said was a lot of times someone would get pulled up out of the, out of the rain from drowning out of the ocean and they'd come up to land and they'd forget about where they were. They'd forget about all the other people that were just with them drowning. And William Booth says this. He says, listen, you have enjoyed yourself in Christianity long enough. You have had pleasant feelings, pleasant songs, pleasant meetings, pleasant prospects. There has been much of human happiness, much clapping of hands and shouting of praises. Now then, go to God and tell him you're ready to leave it all as necessary to turn your back on it all and that you are willing to spend the rest of your day struggling in the midst of these perishing multitudes, whatever it may cost you. He's saying, it's good, there's a time and a place for you clapping your hands and praising and coming to church and sitting down, but if you're ready to move on, there's people out there who need Jesus. And if you're planted in this little pot and you're not going to leave because it's comfortable, People are going to perish because of it, and you're not going to grow spiritually. Moses didn't want to go and, and save the Israelites. He didn't want to be the leader. God said, no, it's time to grow. I have a plan and a place for you. Right? I'm sure a lot of the disciples didn't want to meet untimely deaths. God had a time and a place for them. Growth is important. Some of you in this room know that you've been sitting in the same pot for a long time. And you know that God has been tugging on your heart to start a ministry, to help out more at church, to give more of your time. He wants you to grow. But we're happy being comfortable. And it's killing us spiritually. Let's be brave. Let's ask God where he wants to plant us, where he wants to transfer us to. The nursery was fine for a bit for chum trees, but this time to go. We need to grow up and make sure that if we're not growing spiritually, then let's look at our surroundings. Where does God want us? Or are we playing it too safe and it's killing our spirit? The last thing, so we talked about replenishing the toil. We talked about repotting the plant, transferring it. And the last one is replanting, which is actually the first one. You see, the Bible says that once a tree is producing bad fruit, no matter what you do to it, no matter how you trim it, no matter how you water it, it's going to continue to bear bad fruit. Bad trees equal bad fruit. And what happens is sometimes as Christians, we um, want to keep that tree. And so instead of giving our whole life to Jesus and letting him take over, I mean, it's called being born again, right? It's not just trimming a few branches here and there. And what we do is we have this ugly tree that instead of giving it to God and allowing him to start something new in our hearts, we're trying to trim it and make it beautiful. It doesn't work that way. 
The Bible says this about starting new. It says, throw off your old sinful nature. Take it away and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. There's no, Jesus isn't a self-help program. He doesn't want to take the, the tree that you were and trim it up and make it look pretty. He wants to rip the whole stump, the roots and all. He wants to blast that, that soil and start fresh. Because the truth is, is you could prune it and make it look nice, but the truth is it's still rotten and dead on the inside if you haven't started over with Jesus. In California, um, they have these great redwood trees, and one of our camps got this bark beetle, which would go into the tree and eat it from the inside out. And these trees would look beautiful, but on the inside they were dead. There was no fixing them. They had to be brought down because they were hollow and they were dangerous. Right? These look beautiful. These trees look beautiful. They're dead on the inside. There's no growth here. It's fake. Right? It's plastic. It looks beautiful. Looks are deceiving. Right? And some of us haven't taken that first step, really. A lot of us may have come up to this altar not this one, but an altar in somewhere else, and said, Lord, I'm going to give you my entire life except for this. If I'm honest with you guys, there are times where I know I've come up to this altar and, and gave my life and rededicated my life to Jesus, knowing that there was sin I was still holding on to and I wasn't ready to deal with yet. I was trying to prune the tree, right? I was trying to make what I had, my ugly mess, pretty again. It's, it's called sin management. If I just cut back on some of my sin, if I can just eliminate this sin in my life, if I just try harder, it doesn't work, man. If we can manage sin, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. If we can manage sin on our own and we can just start sinning less and compartmentalizing it and saying, oh, right, now I'm finally better at this. Now I'm, I'm going to move on to this. If we could do that on our own, there would be no reason for Jesus to die on the cross. We can't. we got to give it all to Jesus. Our bad stuff, our good stuff, he wants it all. He wants to rip that whole root out. You know, sometimes you got to put old yeller down. There ain't no saving him. It's sad, it's true, but that old way of life is killing us. It's time to start fresh, start new. The Bible says this about seeds. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But it's death will produce new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new life. So it's ironic that if you're not growing, you're dying. But the start of true growth starts at dying. Dying to yourself. Dying to that old sinful life. And planting something new. Letting God plant something new in your heart and keeping it fresh. It's all about that. It's saying die to yourself. Now, there was a lot of times where I came up, like I said, to these altars and I was holding on to something. So I would call that a near-death experience, right? I almost gave it all up for Jesus. It was a near-death experience. But what happens is even when you keep that little part, wickedness grows fast too, yeah? And it's like, uh, you know, when you come to Hawaii, you can't bring any plants. They don't want you because it could be devastating to the agriculture here, Right? Sin is devastating. You hold on to a little root, you hold on to a small portion, and pretty soon it's overgrowing in your heart again. you got to start fresh. God wants to start something new in you. And that's the first step. So as we wrap up, 
I'd ask you to just think about your heart and what it looks like. What's the spiritual condition of it? Do you feel like you're growing? Do you feel alive? Are you living life to the fullest? Are you living life abundantly? Are you producing good fruit today? Or do you know that you haven't been taking care of the soil of your heart and it's dry and things are dying there? It's a desert. You haven't been reading your Bible. You come to church, but you don't apply the stuff that you hear. You're not surrounding yourself with brothers and sisters who are going to build you up. And it's dry. Or do you find yourself this morning comfortable, being comfortable, but dying? You'd rather be comfortable than outgrowing. You'd rather be comfortable than doing what God's called you to do. And because of that, your roots are all getting twisted and you're getting choked out spiritually because you're neglecting the things that God has planned for you. Or, if you're honest, have you not really given yourself completely over to God? Are you tired of pruning that ugly tree that no matter how much you trim back, no matter how pretty you try to make it look, it's still ugly? It's still not healthy? It looks, it may even look good on the outside, but you know on the inside it's dead. Maybe you need to replant. Ask God to start something new in your life. Give yourself up to him. So we're going to close in a prayer. And I just want you to think, I don't know where you're at. I can't see you, your heart. God can. But you know what you feel. And use this time as a time to, to say, hey, man, God, I know that I haven't replenished the soil of my heart. Give me the strength to do that this week. I want to grow this week. Growing takes baby steps. It just doesn't happen overnight. Show some growth so when you come back next Sunday that you can say, man, look how far I've come. So many times we say, this is my life before I met Jesus, and then I met Jesus and my life was better, which is great. But after we meet Jesus, it's still a journey. We should be able to look five years back and say, man, when I first met Jesus, I was still struggling with this. But look how much I've grown. We don't stop growing ever. Keep that in mind as we pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for um, starting something new in my heart, Lord.